Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Like I said, we're talking about being a church uh, that is a passionate church. Uh, being a church, uh, really, the, the, the statement says, you know, the church I see is a passionate church who's worship. So today we're going to talk a lot about worship. Uh, last couple of weeks we've talked about being a church that is a growing church and how we believe that if something is healthy, it should be growing, that only dead things don't grow. We've talked about being a healing church, a place for people who are broken and hurting to come and find a healing that they're searching for. Last week, we talked about being a serving church, uh, that, that when we do what we can do, Jesus jumps in and does what we can't do, and we see him do the impossible when we take that step out of the boat into what he's called us to do. And so today, the phrase that we're going to really look at and just kind of dive into is passionate worship. Uh, being a church with passionate worship. Let me read this for you. Uh, it's on the, the back of your programs, but you can also look at the big screen behind me. This is the, the statement in the church I see that deals with this. It says, the church I see is a passionate church whose worship touches heaven and shakes the earth with the glory of God. I see a church that recognizes it is completely dependent on Jesus and is only limited by the limitless power of the Holy Spirit. A church not bound by the ideals of what church should be or has been. Like I said, we're going to talk a good bit this morning about worship. Now, that's a very broad subject. And for you, you may come here this morning, maybe you didn't grow up in church, maybe this is the first time you've been to church in a while. And for you, worship, the idea of worship is a Christian thing. Like it's something that Christians do, or, or it's something that you do when you go to church, or when you, uh, maybe, maybe when you go, you know, to a service like this, you do worship. But where I want to start this morning is that worship is the activity of a human life. We are, we are created to worship, and you cannot put, push pause on worship. You can't, you can't. Pause your worship because it's just something that flows naturally from who you are. Every word that you speak is in some form worship. Every dollar that you spend, you are expressing your worship. Every action that you take, every project that you work on is an act of worship because it is the activity of a human life. And here's what I want you to know. You are a phenomenal worshiper. You didn't need to go to school to learn how to become a worshiper. You didn't have to go to grad school and be educated on the ins and outs of worship. You, by product of being born, are a phenomenal worshiper. And I know that that subject is very broad. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about one aspect of worship that we do every week. We just got finished doing it. I want to talk about worship as the collective gathering together and singing songs. That, that form, that, that version, that, that aspect of worship. When we put words on the screen and, and Pastor Hope encourages us and prods us and prompts us and, you know, come on, let's sing this song together or, or sing this with me or, or sing these words out loud, that, that aspect, I want to talk about that. And I just want to ask a very simple question, but one I don't think that we ask enough 
and probably haven't answered. And that question is, why? Why do we do that? Why do we do this? Why do we, why do we sing? Why do we, why do we put words on the screen and encourage you to sing? Like, aren't, aren't we all up here just performers and this is a concert and you're just supposed to listen? Why do we worship? And even more importantly than that, really, is, is why do we want our worship, why do we want our church to be passionate about that? Why do we want to be a place that is a, why do we want to be a church that's a passionate church whose worship touches heaven and shakes the earth with the glory of God? We do it every week. We invite you to do it. And so I think we ought to just kind of stop in our day and ask the question, why? Why do we do this? Why do we worship through singing? So we're going to take a look at that psalm that we just read, Psalm chapter 103. It's the first five verses. And we're just going to take this passage apart, kind of like a, kind of like a Bible study almost. If you have a Bible, that's really cool. You can open it up. That's where we're going to be all day today. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, the, the scriptures will be on the screen. And uh, in addition to that, you can follow along uh, on your smartphone. If you have the Bible app, just open it up, Psalm 103, and, and you, can, you can take off running right there. Here we go. Uh, David says, the first one, let's read it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, if your Bible looks like my Bible, you'll notice between that line and the, thing, the, 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 the chapter title, Psalm 103, it'll say this little thing like a psalm of David or, or by David. Most scholars attribute this psalm, this psalm to David. David wrote this uh, psalm. And, and the thing that... The thing that the Bible people can't kind of put their finger on is why. Why did David write this? When did he write it? Option one that a lot of people kind of suggest is that David wrote this psalm after he was assured of forgiveness after his indiscretion with Bathsheba, right? David, if you don't know the story, uh, David sees this hot woman taking a bath on a rooftop. Her husband is in the military and he's out fighting a battle. And he sees her and he's like, I want to get with her. So he's the king and he gets with her and she gets pregnant and she, um, you know, she's pregnant. She's starting to show he's got to figure out, oh, shoot, everybody's going to find out what I'm going to do. So he brings in Uriah from the field, but that doesn't work. So eventually he has Uriah killed in battle. And Nathan, the prophet, comes up to him and tells him this real funny, like odd story, like about animals and stuff. And David's like, well, this is what I think. And, and then Nathan says, you're the man. Uh, not in a good way. Not like, you're the man. No, it was, it was bad. David felt horrible as he should. And some people say that after David was assured that God would be forgiving of his sin, that God would forgive him, many scholars believe this is when and why David wrote Psalm 103. He's responding to God's uh, love and compassion. He's, he's reflecting on the reality that God would not take his kindness away from him and his family. Other people, option two says that, that David had just been healed of a dangerous disease. That he had, he had, he had gotten sick and, and he was, you know, probably going to die and God had healed him of this disease. And so he's, he's reflecting on God's goodness and his power uh, to heal his body. And so he writes Psalm 103. Other people look back at David's life and say, well, 
It could be one of those two, but, but David went through a lot of relational betrayal. David went through a lot of things where times when people would turn their back on him and, and, and attack him. And, and this is when he wrote Psalm 103, after he had been betrayed. Other people say, no, this, was, this is a song of victory. Like David is, is, is rejoicing that God is victorious, whether it's his, his sin or, or disease. This is after a great victory. Let me tell you where I weigh in on this, because I know that's really what everybody wants to know. Where, what do you say, Bible scholar? Here's what I think. Nobody knows. <laughs> there are books written all about this, and the fact is, nobody really knows when or why David wrote this. And I think that's a good thing. Like, I think that's really cool, because that means that this passage can apply to anybody. In any situation, whatever the circumstance is, there's no particular limited circumstance that this passage applies to. And in a church like ours, there are all kinds of issues represented here this morning. There are people going through all kinds of, of difficulty and pain and hurt and trauma and anxiety. And this passage can apply to all of us. Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through some kind of relational pain. There's, a, there's, been, a, there's been a breaking in, in relationship, and it hurts, and you're mourning, and you're sad. This passage has a word for you. Maybe you're, maybe you're going through something emotional. Maybe you're struggling with depression and loneliness. This passage can speak to you. Maybe you've made some bad decisions in your life, and you regret it, and you're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. God, what am, this passage... As a word for you, whatever you're going through, whatever it looks like, these five verses are applicable to your life. Whatever ails you, whether it's in your mind, whether it's in your body, your, your, your soul, like the, the seat of your emotions, if it's in your finances, if it's in your career, if it's in your marriage, these five verses tell us that whatever your pain is, God has a remedy and a cure-all for you. So let's start back at verse 1. David says, bless the Lord. Let's pause right there. David's talking to himself. <laughs> and sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you just got to pause and talk to yourself and look at yourself and say, self, you got to get with it. Self, you got to bless the Lord. Sometimes you, let, let's get interactive. Let's do this because I think this will help you connect with it uh, better than just me saying it. Let's play doctor this morning. Um, not that kind of doctor. <laughs> not the way you play doctor as a kid. I'm not playing that doctor. We're just going to diagnose each other. And we all get the same diagnosis. We all get the same prescription. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person beside of you, and I want you to say this after me, okay? You're going to, you're going to be the doctor in their life. You're going to not only diagnose, but you're also going to prescribe. Now, this is not FDA approved. But you're going to prescribe to them the remedy for their situation. And here's what I want you to say. If you don't hear me say it, just look at the screen. Look at them and say, the prescription for your pain is praise. Some of y'all aren't participating. You need to participate. The prescription for your pain is praise. Now look at the person. If, if only one of you spoke, then the other person needs to, needs to play doctor, and you're a patient, and now you get to say it back to them. The prescription for your pain is praise. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Worship is oftentimes God's first prescription 
for whatever we're going through in life. Worship is the first step that God wants many of us to take whatever the situation looks like. You see, I know that you're you're, you're thinking, well, you don't know what I've been through. I don't need to know what you've been through. I already know the diagnosis and the prescription for whatever pain you have is praise. You see, the thing is, we don't know what David is recovering from. We don't know what David's going through. It could be his disobedience, this prescription for his pain, is praise. He looks at himself and says, Self, you got to bless the Lord. We, gotta, we got to praise right now. It could be disease. He could be, he, he could be going through some emotional turmoil or relational betrayal. David's own son one time betrayed him. David's best friends betrayed him. Everybody, he could be going through that. And, and, and whatever it is, David begins the song by talking to himself and saying, I've got to praise the Lord. No matter what I'm going through, no matter how bad it hurts, no matter how chronic the situation is in your life, the prescription for your pain is praise. Our first response, check this out, our first response to any crisis that happens in our lives, David tells us, is praise, is God-centered. You see, some of us go through junk in our life, and the first response that we have is, oh crap. What am I going to do? And David says, no, no, the first response is bless the Lord. Self, you got to get with the program. You got to bless the Lord. You got to praise the Lord. And I, I know this sounds overly simplistic. I know that this sounds like I'm just trying to gloss over whatever trauma that you've gone through, whatever hurt and pain that you have in your life. And I promise you that's not what I'm trying to do. You see, we're all experts in psychology thanks to BuzzFeed and the 50,000 surveys that we take to tell us who we are, right? We all know, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to tell you that, that if you just praise God, every bad thing in your life will just turn out okay. That's not what I'm saying. And, and if that's what you hear, then, then hear me tell you that's not what I'm doing. I, am, I want to acknowledge that your hurt, that your pain is real. That the abuse that you went through as a child that left you marked and scarred for, for, for years now, that's real. I get that. When you lost your job and they laid you off and you haven't been able to find a job in months and the unemployment's running out and you don't know where, where your mortgage is going to come from, that's real. I get that. Everything's not going to be okay just because you start thanking God. But here's what I know about praise. Check this out on the screen. You want to write this down and put it somewhere so you can find it later. When pain runs the deepest, praise is the most necessary. When the pain runs the deepest into into the the, the core of who you are. Here's why we're talking about this in the church I see. People who are broken and whose bags are shattered need a church who's passionate about their worship because the prescription for their pain is praise. And so we've got to create an atmosphere of worship so people can receive the healing that they need to receive because the prescription for our pain is praise. When it hurts the deepest, praise is most necessary. I was watching a documentary 
I do that occasionally from time to time. Netflix has opened up a whole realm of possibilities for us when we turn on the TV. And I was watching a documentary about uh, a, a rock band, a, a band, and it was mainly about this guitarist. And, and the guitarist, um, w the, the, the band had just reached a, a level of success that they had not reached yet. And, and, and they were touring, and they were selling out shows, and the guitarist had this chronic back pain that he could not get rid of. And the solution for, the, for, for his pain was surgery. But he couldn't take time off the tour. They couldn't cancel the tour because that would interfere with, with their rising success. So the guitar player got addicted on heroin to numb the pain in his back so he could take care of business on the guitar. And here's what many of us have done. Many of us have found a solution that will temporarily numb the pain in our lives so we can go about our business. Many of us have our own temporary fixes to cope with getting through the day. But the prescription for your pain is praise. We have we, we, we fall victims to to worlds of, of lust and fantasy because we're just trying to numb the pain to get through the day. We 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 take substances and we get addicted to substances because we just want to take we start off. I'm just going to take the edge off and then it's I just need to numb the pain. So I'm going to, like the guitar player, I'm going to get addicted to this. Some of us, it's not like a substance we put in our body. For some of us, it's going and buying, buying, buying more, 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 more. Just to numb the pain. To silence the hurt in our lives. But David says, bless the Lord. And then look what he says. He says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He says, I gotta get, I gotta get praise down in the inside. I gotta get praise down at the core where the hurt is. You see, David isn't looking for a surface solution to just numb over the pain. You see, David wasn't trying to gloss over whatever real hurt he had experienced. He understood that if I get praise, if I get worship down in my soul, something will happen if I get if I get worship deep down in the root of the issue so so self soul core of who I am you got to get with the program you need to praise the Lord my soul needs to touch heaven because my earth needs shaken by the glory of God that's what David's saying bless the Lord oh my soul the inside the internal you see, some of us are so defeated from the stress of life that we can't get through the day, that, that, that we're just managing to do it. And I know you're thinking, Pastor Josh, the last thing I want to do is praise God. <laughs> you don't understand. My kids are going crazy. The last thing I want to do is turn on a worship song and praise God. You don't understand. My boss is a... is is. A not very nice person, and I can't say it in church because y'all think bad of me. Look, look, look at this. Look at the screen with me. The times when you feel like praising God the least are the times when you need it the most. David didn't feel like blessing the Lord. 
David, David didn't want to bless God. David didn't want to praise God. But he says, I've got to get it in my soul. I've got to get it down on the inside. Yeah, but Pastor Josh, I suffered a financial setback. The prescription for your pain is praise. Yeah, but, but, but they talked about me. Praise them. Yeah, but they betrayed me. Praise them. Yeah, but they, they said they would never leave me and they left. I get it. You still got to praise them. Yeah, but my husband is, a, is grouchy and he never gets off the couch. You got to praise him. Yeah, but my wife is, I'm not going there. You got to praise him. <laughs> I got laid off. You got to praise him. My kids are going wild. You got to praise him. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And he goes on to say, all that is within me, bless his holy name. He dives deeper into his, his, his hurt and his drama and his suffering and his, and his pain. He, he goes deeper. That, that phrase, all that is within me, it, can liter- it, it literally refers to the, the inner parts of a person's body. That's what it literally refers to, like the inner workings of a person's body. Uh, by the way, it also refers to um, the, the inner parts of a city, like the inner network in the city, and the intestines and entrails of an animal, which has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I thought it was really funny. Um, David says, my guts. But that's what he says. He says, my guts got to praise him. Sometimes you got to get worship down in your gut where it hurts, where you don't want to do it, but you got to tell yourself, self, you got to bless the Lord. Psalm chapter 22, verse 3 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you praise God in your situation, God takes residence in your circumstance. You got to praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name in the core of my being, the seat of my emotions. Is what David's saying. Where my affections lie. Where my heart is. It's the place that poets talk about when they write about the human heart. He says, I got to get praise down there. You know what most of our problem is? We want God to come and fix us. But we want God to fix us like a plastic surgeon fixes people. Like, like, God, if you could, like, a little nip here, a little tuck there. Shave off a little bit on my side hips. You know, a little liposuction here or there. And I'm good. But God isn't a plastic surgeon. God is a cardiologist. God operates at the, in, the, in the inner workings of his, of his children. He specializes on the internal. My mom, most of you have been here for, for any time know that last November, my mom passed away from a massive sudden heart attack. But several years before that, she had surgery uh, on her heart to place a stent. You know what a stent is? A stent's a little thing that they put in an artery and open it right up or whatever's blocking it. You know, if there's a blockage, they put this stent in and they open it up. And I remember she was going in for that surgery. She was real nervous. She, she, she was, you know, looking at this and it's not major, but for her it was pretty serious. And we went to the hospital and we prayed and, and, and they take her back in and the doctor, you know, it's a few hours, we're waiting, we're praying, we're waiting, we're praying. And the doctor comes back out and the doctor says, it was a success. The surgery was a success. We got the stent in and everything's good. Everything's great. It'll be a while before you can see her. Just give her some time. She's in recovery right now. We'll let you know when you can come back. But when we go back in there and see her, when I walked in the door, it totally surprised me, right? My mom is in the floor doing push-ups, right? No. She looked horrible. 
She's in the bed. She doesn't feel like moving. She doesn't feel like getting up. But the surgery was a success. You see, some of us, some of us, we want to feel better immediately. We want God to operate on us and fix the issue. But God is interested in getting to where the blockage is. Because check this out. Our problem, just like my mom's problem was, there's a blockage in our life and the blood can't flow through freely. So there's got to be a surgeon to go in and open up the blockage so that the blood can flow through. And what happens in church is we come in and we've got blockage and God says that the prescription for your pain is praise. I've got to get my praise on the inside where the blockage is so that I can open up the blockage so my blood can flow freely through your body and bring healing to you. That's the point of praise. And that's why we've got to be a church with passionate worship. Because people who have blockages in their heart need a church where they can walk in and the presence of God is so real and so thick that God starts doing microscopic surgery, working in the inner parts of their heart, opening up the blockage that they didn't even know was there. So we've got to be a church with passionate worship. And that's exactly what worship will do in, in people who come in, but it also is what worship will do in your life. Worship will will remove the blockage to let the blood flow through. That's why when Pastor Hope stands up here to encourage and prompt us to sing along, she's saying, I've got to get you to a place where where the Lord can operate on your heart because he's a cardiologist, not a plastic surgeon. He goes on, David goes on, verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all, his benefits. And this makes me think of um, insurance policies, benefits, right? Uh, David is David is talking about the benefits of the insurance policy, and you might laugh at me with that. That's cool, but I've got a whole list of insurance puns coming your way. You just better get ready, brace for it because they're coming, and I might get excited and preach the puns harder than I preach the passage. So, because they're good, right? I'm telling you, they're good. God's. God, through David, is about to give us an EOB. You know what an EOB is? An explanation of benefits. The reason you don't know what an EOB is is because they're confusing. They come and they look like bills, but they say, this is not a bill. This is an explanation. You're like, I don't know what to do with this. So if you're me, it just gets piled up with all the other EOBs. But, but, but David is about to give us an EOB because we don't understand our policy that we, that, that we have with God. We're like that farmer's commercial, the farmer's insurance commercial. You know, you think you're covered for this, but really you're just covered for this. And, and, and what I want to do in the rest of this passage, I just want us to check our policy. I want us to check our policy. Look what David says. Here's our policy. You know, your insurance policy, you know, has like a manual like that thick, right? You can't read that. This is coming at you in three verses. Verse three, four, and five. Look at what he says. He says, here's our policy. Who forgives all your iniquity? So you made some bad decisions in your life. You, you got sin, you got mistakes, you got, you got screw-ups and mess-ups that you got going on. Good, it's covered. It's covered. It's in the plan. It's part of the plan. It's part of the benefit package. You, he goes on, he says, who heals all your diseases. Are you sick? It's covered. You don't have to worry about it's covered. And not only is, 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 is the disease covered, but he even looks past your pre-existing condition. Yes. 
So how you come to him, you might come to him sick and you're not even covered yet. And he's still got you covered because he looks past that. He says he heals all your diseases. He, he redeems your life from the pit. You ever struggle with loneliness? You ever feel like your life is in the pit? He covers it. It's covered. He's got you. You're protected. You're covered. You don't have to wonder if you're covered. He goes on. He says, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. You ever felt unloved, unwanted, not accepted, not welcomed? People ever betray you, say they didn't like you? Well, guess what? God's got you covered. You're covered under his plan. Verse 5, who satisfies you with good. You ever feel like your life is boring? You're unfulfilled? You just keep wanting more, 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 and none of it ever satisfies you? God's got you covered. His insurance plan takes care of it. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Listen to me. Some of you feel like your best days are behind you. Like you've already accomplished the thing that God set for you to accomplish and now all you're doing is just waiting to die. No, 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 no. God's got you covered. His plan takes care of it. And not only does he have you covered, but he's already paid your deductible and there is no copay. I told you, I've got, I've got tons of coming. There's no coinsurance. There is no out-of-pocket max. You're never going to exhaust his insurance. You're covered and it's beneficial. This is what David says. I know that's kind of funny, right? This is what David says. It's beneficial to belong to the family of God. It's beneficial to be on his group plan. In his family policy. You're not going to get kicked off because you turn 24, 25, 26, whatever the age is. Good. You're on. Jesus covers it all. But see, here's the thing. We don't know what we have, so we don't take advantage of what is ours because we don't understand the benefits that come by virtue of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we never tap into the benefits that God has for us. And David teaches us that worship is the way we fight our tendency to forget his benefits. That's what David teaches us. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Self, get with the program and praise God because as I praise him, I remember his benefits. David teaches us that worship, that, that, that the decision to worship regardless of the situation is like announcing a declaration that says, I will not let the discouragement or distraction of what I'm going through make me forget the benefits of belonging to the God who has been so good to me. And I will not let my situation take the passion out of my life. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And when you remember that, when you, when you do that, when you worship, regardless of what the situation looks like, it changes your life. It changes your outlook on life. It changes the challenges that you go through. That's what David is doing in this psalm. David is practicing what he's preaching. Because, see, David could focus on his failures. David could have focused on his sin, but instead he's focusing on God's Forgiveness. David could have could, could be focused on his disease, but instead he's remembering that God has been faithful to heal him. David could focus on the fact that, 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 that he's in a pit and the pain of the pit. David could never move past the pain of the pit, but instead he says, no, 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 self, we're going to remember that God is the God who pulls us out of the pit. 
David could be focused on the hurt and betrayal that he's experienced in past relationships, but instead he says, no, 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 no. I'm going to focus on the constant nature of God's love. He could have focused on his failures. He could have focused on, on how he never measured up. He could have focused on the, the reality that maybe when he wrote this, his best days were behind him. He already killed Goliath. This story's already written. It's already done. He's not have anything to look forward to. But no, no, he says, no, I'm going to remember that with God, nothing is impossible. So why do we worship? Because like David, we can't forget his benefits. Why do we worship? Because like David teaches us, we can't let each other forget about his benefits. This is what I want to do this morning. We're going to get ready and we're going to play, um, we're going to play another song of worship. Because it's, you know, it's one thing to like preach about worship. But if we preach about worship and then we don't actually respond in worship, then that doesn't really make much sense. So we're going to respond in worship today. And what I hope is that this, this message has prompted and prodded us to the place where we respond to God. Where we have to, maybe, maybe you're going through something and you just got to tell yourself, you got to be like, self, you got to get with it this morning. We're going to worship. We're going to praise. Because like David, I can't forget the benefits. And listen, when we worship like that, when we worship like that, we'll touch heaven. And heaven will touch us, and and, and earth will shake, and people will find healing, and you'll find healing, and blockages will be opened, and people will come to know Jesus. When we recognize that, that nothing limits the power of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to be bound by, by what worship is supposed to look like or what, what it's looked like in the past. We're not going to be hindered by any of that. We're going to, to come into his presence and we're going to, if we have to tell ourselves, you got to get ready, then we'll tell ourselves like David, hey, self, down in the core, I might be hurting on the inside, but I'm going to take praise and I'm going to put it on the inside. And from From my place of pain, I'm going to bring praise. You see, that doesn't make sense anywhere else besides in the church. Nowhere else. Listen, you can can watch all the talk shows you want. They're not going to tell you that you you got to connect and, and worship with God in the place of your pain. Your, your, your friend who's trying to give you advice and, and really they just want to keep you whining about the pain. And I'm not trying, like I said, I don't want to gloss over it. What I want us to do is I want us to acknowledge I might hurt, but I can still praise. I might be suffering and I might, I might be angry with God because I'm blaming him for the way this stuff has happened. But I'm going to make a decision to praise God out of my pain. And when we do that, church, we'll see God do the impossible. When we do that, we'll we'll see that nothing will limit what God can do through a church that says, I'm going to worship from the place of my pain, from where it hurts. I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't exist. I'm not going to gloss over it. I'm not going to just push it to the side. It's real. 
but it's not going to stop me from praising Him. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.